for a number of years, it's been kind of a tradition here on Martin Luther King Jr. weekend to have Henry Walker as our guest speaker. Well, this year, I mistakenly thought Henry would still be in New Orleans <laughs> for the for his football games, but... Uh, but not only that, it seemed like it was kind of time to pass the torch. And I have asked this year for his son, Clay Walker, to be our speaker. Would you help me welcome Clay, please? Good morning. My name is Clay Walker, and um, in case you can't see up here, I am standing in some very big shoes. Um, for those who don't know my father, he is usually the one standing up here in remembrance of Dr. King. For as long as I can remember, and, and all through my childhood, this was his sermon. And the truth is, I can't fill his shoes. In this last year... My father and my stepmother, Laurie Lyons, both longtime members here, have retired. And again, for those who don't know Henry and Laurie, they are both um, civil rights lawyers. Henry for 40 years and Laurie for nearly 30. In this year of their retirement, I would like to take the time to recognize what they accomplished. And I think it's appropriate in remembrance of Dr. King that we as a congregation recognize the civil rights work of two of our own. When you look back on 30 and 40 years of work, and it's not as if they walk around handing out their resume, but when you look on the, back on the body of work, it's truly worthy of recognition. Henry and Laurie filed suit against nearly every prison in North Louisiana, demanding the better treatment of prisoners. <clears throat> and you'll have to forgive my voice. I was um, also watching the Saints game. And <clears throat> that means, though, that they sued the sheriff in each parish, who is arguably the most powerful public figure in every parish. That alone makes you a political outcast, and it makes it very hard to run a law office. There is a, a shunning in power circles that you have to endure. Insurance defense lawyers get the prestige. They get the marble office and the keys to the city, while civil rights lawyers are treated like lesser attorneys, when, in my opinion, the opposite is true and suing on behalf of prisoners, not exactly the most popular or sympathetic group of people, but Henry and Laurie filed suit time and again to simply say that prisoners are human beings and deserve to be treated like human beings. It's noteworthy that they did this primarily in Caddo Parish, which of course leads the world in incarceration. The United States leads the world, unfortunately Louisiana leads the United States, and Caddo Parish leads Louisiana. If Caddo Parish were a country, we would lead the entire planet in incarceration. 
one in 26 people in Louisiana is either in jail or on probation. But what you really need to appreciate about this work is that prisoners' rights are not inevitable. The mistreatment of prisoners is the kind of a thing, is the kind of thing that a society will tolerate for a long time. Prisoners have no political voice, they have no power, and generally speaking, neither do their families. And you also need to know a little bit about what we're talking about. We're talking about prisoners being shocked with electric current during questioning. That happened here in North Louisiana. We're talking about prisoners being put into small tin boxes that are placed in the middle of a field in the summer sun where they literally roast. That happened here in North Louisiana. When I was a child, Henry had a client who had a broken arm and he was in prison and the jail medical staff simply wouldn't take the cast off. It was left on for more than two months longer than it should have been and this poor man had cockroaches building nests inside the cast while he slept. Until Henry and Laurie stood up, until they sued, that was allowed, that was tolerated. And I am certain that but for Henry and Laurie's work, it would have continued. And I think that deserves our recognition. I have come to believe, after a little more than 10 years of this work, that good does not triumph over evil on its own merit. Good people, like Henry and Laurie, have to stand up. For the last 40 years, Henry and Laurie have been involved in every battle and filed every lawsuit in North Louisiana protecting the separation of church and state. Again, suing on behalf of a very small minority against the Christian right in the buckle of the Bible Belt. That does not make you very popular and makes it very hard to run a law office. But as most of you know firsthand, in this part of the country, that is an envelope that is always being pushed. There have been children in our schools teased and threatened for being Jewish. Teachers have offered candy to students to come to Christian prayer meetings. There have been dozens of teacher-led prayers. One teacher, this is not a joke, one teacher was telling young children that dinosaurs are a liberal hoax, that we sneak out in the cover of dark and bury fake bones to try to disprove the age of the earth in the Bible. That happened as a true story in North Louisiana. Of course, many of you may remember the giant cross on top of the VA hospital. But what you may not remember or may not have known is that Henry received death threats for this work. We had a case once. We were working with the ACLU out of New Orleans, and they were up here in a meeting in the office, and we're all sitting around talking and strategizing. And and the New Orleans folks are talking strategies if we were in New Orleans. People as close as New Orleans have no concept about how difficult this work is in this part of the state, in this part of the country. This area of work, maybe more than any other that Henry and Laurie did, 
It brings out an amazing hatred. It's a vehemence. And I might also point out some very unchristian behavior. But I have no doubt that this work, Henry and Laurie's work, has protected this very sanctuary and our freedom of and from religion for 40 years. I believe that deserves our recognition. And again, I have come to see that good does not triumph over evil on its own merit, that good people like Henry and Laurie have to stand up. Henry and Laurie both took dozens of race discrimination cases, sex discrimination cases, police brutality cases. As a result of their work, and, and I really need to take this list kind of slowly to appreciate it, but as a result of their work, blacks and other racial minorities won the right to become police officers equal to white officers in Shreveport and Bossier City. They won the right to become equal firefighters in Shreveport and Bossier City. And you really have to think for a moment that the difference that those job opportunities made for minorities in this area. Think of the cultural change because of that. The fact that we have black police officers and leaders on the force because of that. If you fast forward to 2010, we now have a black chief of police and a black mayor. I recognize, obviously, that many good people worked very hard for that kind of progress. But our very own Henry Walker was a force in making that possible. He paved the way. In fact, the very holiday we are celebrating, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, was not celebrated in Bossier City until Henry's firm sued them. And this list goes on. Because of work that Henry was involved in, women won the right to become police officers and firefighters in Shreveport and Bossier City. And, and I don't want to overstate it, but if you think about the impact of that, the independence that women can have because of that kind of employment, and the cultural change that women are police officers and leaders on the force, that deserves our recognition. Laurie had a case, and I'm not sure how many people truly appreciate this. This is a true statement. Laurie Lyons helped define sexual harassment law for the entire country. It was at the appellate court for Louisiana. It's, it's the Fifth Circuit. It's over Louisiana, Texas, and Mississippi. This was in the early 80s, and it was an early sexual harassment case. It was about how sexual harassment would be defined is... An, in, as an inappropriate joke or a tasteless joke harassment or is groping harassment? Where is the line drawn? And there's a judge on the Fifth Circuit, a woman actually, who tried to argue that rape would be the definition of sexual harassment, that anything less than rape would be acceptable. It's a man's workplace and the woman had to be tough. And you kind of have to envision a Law and Order episode here, but Laurie's standing at a podium, and, and up on a raised bench in front of her, there are three judges in their black robes, and normally what they do is they, they just try to intimidate you and pepper you with questions. But this argument got so heated that the judges actually started to argue amongst themselves. And you have to understand that never happens. 
They normally try to make the attorney feel bad. They, they were arguing amongst themselves so much that they actually took Laurie's time to talk, which normally, if you run out of time, it's just too bad. You're done. But because they had been arguing so much amongst themselves, they gave her more time to argue, which never happens. It was an argument that was possibly like no other in the history of the Fifth Circuit, and the definition of sexual harassment lay in the balance, and Laurie won. Our own Laurie Lyons forged fair treatment for women in the workplace for the entire nation. Again, a lot of good people worked for that progress, but Laurie's case was truly seminal. The way that our laws work, that all of the other cases around the nation look to hers for that definition. And again, the definition of sexual harassment in the early 80s was not inevitable. There were strong forces that were trying to downplay sexual harassment. There were folks that still didn't think that women should be working in the first place. If Laurie didn't stand up and argue, if she didn't persuade those other judges, something closer to rape could be the definition of sexual harassment. And that deserves our recognition. And it was... It was Laurie that taught me good does not triumph over evil on its own merit. Good people like Laurie have to stand up. I also want to recognize the personal and social impact on Henry and Laurie of always fighting racism and fighting sexism and fighting police brutality. I remember this as a child. It's everything from social circles being closed to you, the family being treated as an outcast, even though we grew up alongside everyone else. The police and the government are intimidating, and it extends all the way to death threats. And the stress is intense. Henry hasn't talked about it for several years, but he had cases that were so intense, that were so hard fought, his hair would fall out in huge clumps. Year after year, that kind of stress really takes its toll. But I will also say this. Not once in my entire life have I ever heard Henry complain about going to work. It's always been the opposite. Every day he's been excited about it. He's been inspired to go to work. Now I'm telling you all of this for two reasons. First, the next time you get a chance to visit with Henry or Laurie, please acknowledge their work and their retirement. But second... As we recognize the civil rights work of, of two of our own, I think we should ask ourselves what steps we can take as a congregation to continue this progress for Shreveport. I said earlier that I can't fill my father's shoes up here, but I am trying to walk my own path. Since 2008, I have been the director of the Juvenile Public Defender System for the state of Louisiana. One of the issues I face every day is youth that are questioning their sexuality or have identified as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. And they are doing so from within group homes or jails. And a sad and terrible part of this work, another that I face every day, is juvenile suicide. 
In the last major national study, it was in 2001, it was found that more than 3 million children attempt suicide in this country each year. And several studies, both state and national, have shown that the highest level of suicide attempts is among children who report questioning their sexual orientation. Suicide is the third leading cause of death for teenagers, and unfortunately in my work, juveniles in jail are four times more likely to commit suicide. So I am currently writing a new statewide policy for all juvenile defenders in all 64 parishes to be trained to identify both suicide risks as well as sexual orientation issues and to address them with sensitivity and respect. I'm trying to connect all juvenile defender offices to local PFLAG groups and other organizations which might support youth going through this tough time. No child should commit suicide, particularly for fear of their own sexual identity. And it's worth noting here in Louisiana that this set of policies, if I am successful, will be the first of its kind in the nation. As I hope you know by now, our mayor and city council have recently established employment protection in Shreveport for lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender employees, as well as those with disabilities. It's been a long time coming and the result of a lot of work by many good people. But here's my point. I think there's something that we can do as a congregation to continue the civil rights work of Henry and Laurie. I think there's something that we can do as a congregation to build upon the bold steps taken by our mayor and city council recently. For any youth or any person questioning or facing issues of sexual orientation or identity, we can say this is a safe place. We can let them know that here they will be safe and welcomed and loved. We can choose to become a welcoming congregation. For those of you who don't know, and it sounds like many of you do, but for those of you who don't know, the concept of a welcoming congregation is a program that was established by our national organization, the UUA, in 1989. In simple terms, we have to officially vote as a congregation to establish what we already are, a safe place for lesbians, gays, bisexual, and transgender people to worship. And we stand up against any oppression of these brothers and sisters of ours. I understand that a lot of good people in this congregation have grappled with this concept before. And I realize that all we need to do is to sit down at a table and talk freely and in detail about what this entails. But I know we can agree on this. I'm simply saying today that it's time. It's time to do it, and it's appropriate for a church to do it. 
Because in this civil rights battle, unlike the oppression of other minorities, in this battle, it's organized religion that is cherry-picking improperly interpreted statutes and using them to scare and bully and injure lesbians, gays, bisexual, and transgender human beings. But if we become a welcoming congregation, if our words, if our words of inclusion, if our words of love, if our words reach just one young person, that they could come here and not be judged but welcomed, not be told that he or she is going to hell but that we don't believe in hell and that we love them for who they are, if we could do that, like so many churches have done in past civil rights battles, we could show our community the right path, the just path. It's the truly spiritual path. And we could take our place again as leaders in this community in civil rights. Like Henry and Laurie paved the way, we could show our community the way. We could show them that all souls are truly welcome. Churches have always led the way when it comes to civil rights. And we must remember that good good does not triumph over evil on its own merit. Good people have to stand up, and it is time for us to stand up. Thank you.